Good morning, good Monday morning. Hello, humans of the Twin Cities, the humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio. How are you? I hope you're doing good on this Monday morning, uh, which is also April Fool's Day. Ha, ha, ha. But it's really me. It is. Yes, yes. Um, deep-voiced Ellie Krug, as we would say. Some would call me... Um, uh, well, anyway, with the voice and the appearance thing, but we won't get into that. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to the show. I hope I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, that you join us. I hear from a lot of listeners that they really are enjoying this show, that it's touching them. And so there you go. And this is going to be a talking head show. You're going to have me for the entire uh, duration of the show. And among other things, we are going to start off by talking about Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg, thank you, Ellie, who is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. We're going to call him Mayor Pete because that last name is not only an obstacle for Ellie Krug, but an obstacle for just about anybody in the media trying to pronounce his name. Um, those familiar with Mayor Pete know that um, he is technically exploring a run for president, although um, I just saw – remember, we're taping this. <clears throat> so uh, I saw this just come up <clears> – excuse me – through Newsweek that uh, Mayor Pete um, – this is on Newsweek's uh, website uh, dated March 24th. And here is the title. Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg jumps up to take third place in new 2020 Democratic poll behind Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Um, and so that's pretty darn good for somebody who um, is the mayor of a town, barely 100,000 people, who uh, two months ago, no one had any idea who this fellow was. And so um, he is an unusual candidate for many, many reasons. And I'm going to let him explain that to you in his own words. So here's his um, announcing ad about an exploratory campaign. Hi, I'm Pete Buttigieg. I'm exploring a run for president. I've got a lane all to myself here as the only left-handed gay millennial Maltese American Episcopalian war veteran considering a run. Why run? Because it's time to focus on the future. Because there's no going back. Our country needs a fresh start. Are you ready to walk away from the politics of the past? It's time for a new generation of American leadership. Now, join us. Yeah, so that is him. And uh, he <laughs> checks all kinds of boxes, given that I'm transgender. He's part of my family, you know, the LG, uh, LGBTQ alphabet. And so, of course, um, he warms my heart. But let me give you some background on Mayor Pete. First of all, he is only 37 years old. Uh, he grew up in South Bend. Um, both of his parents were professors at Notre Dame. Unfortunately, his father died earlier this year. Um, his father, uh, Joseph, emigrated from Malta um, in the 1970s. Thus, Mayor Pete represents a first-generation American running for president. I mean, that's pretty cool if you ask me. OK. And by the way, remember, this show is about idealism. And um, I, uh, Mayor Pete, I am highlighting because he is a very much an idealist. I'll get to that in a little bit, uh, a little bit more. Mayor Pete has always been a high flyer, the kind for dest- uh, destined for something much bigger. So in his high school class at uh, uh, his school. High school in South Bend, Indiana, where he grew up, he was the president of the class and the class valedictorian. He then went on to Harvard, where he was the president of the Harvard Institute of Politics Study, Politics Student Advisory Committee. Okay, very technical, but obviously uh, very clear that he wanted to get into politics ever since he was young. He graduated from Harvard, magna cum laude, with B.A. degrees in history and literature. So... Literature and and uh, and uh, history, yeah, probably politically bound. He then became a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, again, high flyer. Um, he went to Pembroke College um, in Oxford, England, um, where he studied. Along the way, he worked stints on the campaigns of a congressional candidate in Indiana, and then um, that 
congressional candidate's gubernatorial campaign. And then he also worked for several months on John Kerry's 2004 presidential campaign. Um, At that time, he was, what, I think 22 years old. In 2010, he was the Democratic Party candidate for the Indiana State Treasurer. But he lost that race um, with uh, just 38 percent of the vote. A year later, um, in November of 2011, with now 74 percent of the vote, um, Pete Buttigieg became the mayor of South Bend. Um, And at that time, he was only 29 years old. Um, That election made him the youngest mayor of a city with at least 100,000 residents. One other notable fact. Uh, Mayor Pete is also a commissioned naval intelligence officer. Um, He is presently a lieutenant in the Naval Reserve. He deployed to Afghanistan in 2014 for seven months while serving as mayor um, of South Bend, during which time the lieutenant mayor stepped into his shoes. Um, And so, you know, we've got here a candidate that is out of the norm. First of all, he's gay. Okay, so, you know, we know where that will fly in our country and where it will not. However, that's kind of tempered by the fact that he is a white-collar person. So that may appeal to some segments of society that otherwise might be detracted by um, Mayor Pete's uh, um, identifying as gay. Uh, Oh, by the way, he married uh, his husband about a year and a half ago. And uh, they're married, yes. And uh, so we would have, if Mayor Pete was elected, we would have the very first um, first husband or first man in the White House. I know that's so exciting just to think about the possibilities of how that would play out in America. Um, but so, so we've, got, we've got a gay candidate who's also a veteran who is also darn smart, and you're going to hear a little bit about that in our next segment when he talks, um, when, he, um, when I play a little bit of an interview that he, he gave um, uh, on um, Morning Joe. He is also uh, somebody well-versed on policy. I mean, uh, this man uh, knows his facts, and he's uh, not afraid to say them, but he says them in a very, very relatable way. Not from, you know, I know better than you kind of position. I mean, in many ways, he's just so incredibly a breath of fresh air. And so, you know, I, why am I highlighting him? I am highlighting him because for 2020, um, we do need something different. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm taping this show right now on the, on the, on the day after um, William Barr issued his summary of the Mueller report. And uh, right now, um, and so you'll be hearing this a week after that, and, and hopefully the, company, uh, the country will have recovered a bit. But right now, uh, I think I, along with another, a lot of other people are reeling um, about where our country is and, and the fact that we're, we're tied um, to the consequences of an election where Russians interfered with um, the electoral process and where, more importantly, we have in place somebody who is a divider, not a unifier in terms of leading our country. That is, of course, highly problematic. And what Mayor Pete represents is he he represents um, the best of unifier that I think I could find um, and and that we could ask for um, because he's bridged so many things in his personal life. I mean, uh, you know, South Bend, Indiana is not what we would call a bastion of liberalism. Um, given <clears throat> that it is the home to Notre Dame, it is very um, tied to religious institutions. Um, and, you know, it's in Indiana. And so you have this man who garnered all kinds of percentage of vote in South Bend, 
who not only bridged personal differences about coming out as gay in his family and then, of course, attending a school that I'm sure wasn't particularly gay-friendly, um, and then now bridging it in the community. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we really would seem to want. But, um, but you know, when I come back from the break... I'll talk more about that. I'm going to share you a little bit part of an interview that Mayor Pete gave. And so if you like what you hear, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, I'd love to hear from my listeners. Please email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. Please visit my website at elliekrug.com if you like my um, what I'm talking about and what I stand for. And when we come back from our break, I'll give you some more about this guy named Mayor Pete. Thanks. Which I never could explain. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Art lovers, it's time to celebrate, learn about, and collect local art at the St. Paul Art Crawl, running April 26th to 28th. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you will have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for your own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community, too, with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at stpaulartcrawl.org. That's stpaulartcrawl.org. Hey, this is Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Join me and Desi Doyen weeknights on AM 950 at 7 p.m. for the broadcast. One hour of interviews, analysis, news, and snark that you need but won't get from the corporate media. Join me for the broadcast Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio. That's that's who I am. That's what we are. This show is about idealism, as uh, you, many of you know, and as I've already said so far in the show. Uh, and uh, we're talking about Mayor Pete Buttigieg out of South Bend, Indiana, um, because uh, he really does inspire me. He is somebody who is refreshing. Uh, has no uh, political baggage as far as I can tell. Um, is coming out of left field. He is a gay, uh, left-handed as he likes to say, Afghan Afghanistan war veteran, 
currently reserve mili- lieutenant military um, in the uh, Naval Reserve. Well-spoken, well-educated, well-acquainted um, with society who's shown up on our landscape. And I'm going to play an interview here that he gave on Morning Joe um, in the last month or so that gives you a little bit more about where he is coming from as a human. And so, here you go. Mike. Let's get back to Christ. He never saw color. He never saw class. Uh, He had that people would do the right thing to uh, and pray that people would do the right thing to others. I have not heard you speak uh, about our problems with both class and color in this country. They are significant. They are deep. They are historical. Talk about that. Well, I'm the mayor of a diverse community and a largely low-income community. People may not know this because they uh, right. they only know about Notre Dame. Uh, we're about 40, 45 percent non-white, so we've got a lot of racial diversity, and we've got a lot of economic diversity. Our per capita income is just over 20,000 bucks right now. Uh, remember, we're still dealing with the legacy of having been an industrial city that saw our economy completely transform over the last 50 years. Um, the most important job of an elected leader. And I say that I came to this the hard way because, uh, you know, I'm a policy guy. And, and I came out of the business world. So I thought, you know, things that you can count, things you can measure, policy, that's what matters. And, of course, it does. But the most important job of an elected leader is to call people to their highest values and to bring them together. And that's particularly important when it comes to things like racial divisions among us. What we have right now is leadership, if you can call it that, that exploits those divisions, that uses race to divide us uh, within, among other things, the middle class and the working class. Uh, And that is unbelievably harmful at a moment when People of color in particular in this country uh, are feeling more and more under attack and more and more marginalized. Uh, And you've got uh, people in in, the majority uh, who are basically having their resentments stoked. That is not a formula that ever made our community better off. Um, Part of this goes back to policy. Right, the, the, the party's commitments to racial justice and social justice need to animate our policies. Um, but a lot of it also goes back to the way our leaders talk about what made our country what it is and why we benefit from our amazing diversity. Where, where would you place on a scale of important things that you as president would have to address diminishing importance of community? in this country, sense of community. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. First of all, it's one of the reasons why I think we need to look at national service. Uh, It can be voluntary, but at the very least, let's create more opportunities for more people to have a service year after high school because that builds community. You know, one of the experiences I had in the military was coming to learn and trust people radically different from me in their politics and their race and their their generation, Uh, but you learn to trust each other with your life. You shouldn't have to go to war to get that kind of experience. Uh, And so that's one way we can build community. In a deeper sense, I think the loss of community is one of the biggest consequences of automation and artificial intelligence in the way they're changing work. used to be you got a lot of community from the workplace because you knew that you would have a lifelong relationship with a single employer. And that was true whether you were a blue-collar worker at a, uh, at a uh, production facility and your spouses get to know each other through the union picnics, or whether you're a white-collar worker at a CPA firm and, and you and your spouses get to know each other at the firm dinners. Um, That model is fading away. People in my generation are likely to change careers more often than our parents change jobs. And this has serious consequences for our understanding of of community, of where we fit in. Um, And there are some very ugly things that will move in to fill the void if we've lost that sense of community, that sense of identity that used to come from the workplace. Things like white identity politics, things like extremism come in, things like the the, the worst forms of nationalism come in, when we could actually be building out the best forms of nationalism, which is when you uh, rally people around a sense of identity that we're building each other up, when uh, community, even in the literal sense of the city, uh, is part of how people explain how they fit into the world. Because there are tons of people in South Bend where uh, they come and go from various occupations. Uh, I don't even know what they do for a living, but they're incredibly important in the community uh, because of the role that they play in, in the arts or in activism or in some other way. We've got to celebrate that, build that up. I don't know if it's a liberal idea or a conservative idea, uh, but it's something I strongly... Okay, so um, there, 
First of all, I need to give you an explanation, listeners, that there are a couple of pauses in that tape that came to us. So it's not us that did the pauses, but nonetheless, you got an idea about this guy, right? And let me just tell you, I, I played a long tape for you because I wanted you to hear this man, this idealist, talk about what it takes to lead. And I cannot stress enough to you the importance of his words. The fact that, you know, he understands this idea about community and about how we're losing it. Because um, much of my work as a trainer on human inclusivity is about the power of human familiarity. Becoming familiar with humans, understanding the stories of other humans, realizing because you're interacting with them, oh, they're just like me. Oh, you've got this going on too. Oh, my goodness. You know, what can I do to help? And, and understanding that we are losing that sense of community due to both social media as well as due to the way the workforce is changing where we've got more people working from home, more people working remotely, more people working in small clusters and changing jobs and and I thought it was so interesting where he said people of his of his age group he's 37 more likely to change careers um as much as they would uh, to change jobs and so all of that was important what he said about community but also was important what uh, mayor Pete just said was the, the need for our elected leaders to understand that their job is to call people to their highest value and bring people together. And, 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 and in light of what, what has happened uh, just yesterday, remember, this is taped about the Mueller report, about how that's being spun now, about what's it looking like for our country. I think in the end, everything is going to come down to the idea of who can lead us back to where we were, which was this high plane, transcendental values about what America stands for, transcendental values about the idea that there are some things that are more important than personal gain, like making sure our country is good for our kids, that our kids have a better future than what we had, about ensuring for the fact that our country cannot survive without us talking about high values around idealism, a compassion for others, and things of that nature. I mean, obviously, this guy knows that. He gets that. This mayor, Pete, this nowhere person from nowhere out of left field who is showing up, who deserves all of our attention, gets it. And I have no idea where this 37-year-old gay married mayor of small city America will end up in a Democratic hopeful mix. But hopefully he will make a mark. Maybe he's a long shot like a guy named Barack Obama was in 2007. But regardless, we need to listen to him because what he talks about, what he stands for, is what America stands for, about what we are as a people in the past and what we need to be most definitely in the future. We'll be back in a minute and I'll talk a little bit more about how to inspire you about getting inspired by other people. Thanks. Bye. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. I'm Candy Braffle, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. 
Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Hi, this is Matt, owner of Green Home Doctors. Approximately 80% of the homes in Minnesota are not sealed and insulated properly. A typical home has air leakage equal to a large open window. You shouldn't need a space heater and extra blankets to feel comfortable. If you do, that's a sign that your home is not properly insulated. Take advantage of the rebates and great incentives from CenterPoint and Excel Energy before it's too late. To learn more about the savings, visit GreenHomeDR.com. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight will be mostly scattered showers before midnight with a low around 29. Monday, mostly cloudy with a high near 48 and a low around 31. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 54 and a low around 30. Eat local Minnesota.com's restaurant of the week is Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club. Offering a unique and contemporary spin on continental cuisine, Crooner specializes in food and drink made popular in the 1920s. Check out this fabulous dining experience at 6161 Highway 65 Northeast in Minneapolis. Back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio, Ellie Krug here again. Hey, Mayor Pete, come on. I hope that, um, first of all, thank you for putting up with a long clip that I played about his interview, but I hope you under, I hope you agree with me, Ellie. That was really important that I heard that. Ellie, thank you for, I mean, I'm not looking for a whole lot of thanks. Let's just agree. It's important that we hear about this guy. And so, yeah. Okay. Now, I want to talk about empathetic hearts. So, um, yes, um, um, we, we have our challenges, humans. We do. We group and label other humans, and that causes serious problems for us about how we interact. And we're also quite tribal. We are. And both of those, that combination of grouping and labeling and tribalism, causes huge problems, creates marginalization, and... And it's a source of continuing problems for the United States throughout its history. However, we have a couple of saving graces. One is what I call the four, um, the four commonalities. We're not going to get into that. That's in other shows. And, and, but the second, second saving grace that we have is what I call our empathetic hearts is that we as humans, I know it's so hard. You're looking at social media, you're listening to what's on the news and you're like, I can't believe this, but I'm just going to tell you 99% of us have good empathetic hearts. We do. The problem is that we're either not paying attention to exercise those empathetic hearts or we're scared to death to exercise them because, oh, my God, it's going to get us in. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time. It's going to get me in over my head. Oh, my God. And that's why we run away rather than exercise our empathetic hearts. But very often we feel shame or guilt when we run away from an instance where we're supposed to use our empathetic hearts. And what that is, shame or guilt, is that that's your empathetic heart yelling at you. What are you doing? How can you ignore that? That's your empathetic heart yelling at you. So we all have good empathetic hearts. I have a saying that 99% of us have good empathetic hearts, 1% total sociopath. And I, I don't want to talk about this 1%, but us other 99%. The problem is, as I said, we're either not paying attention or, 
or we're afraid. But you know what? When we're given a pathway on how to exercise our empathetic hearts, you know what? We show up in droves. So my my training gray area thinking that is such a pathway. But I'm going to demonstrate this pathway thing to you because I know that people are like, oh, I don't believe this, Ellie. I don't believe people are nearly as good as you say. Well, let me give you some examples, okay, because I always like to, to use facts and information. And so um, one of the ways that humans um, exercise their empathetic hearts is through GoFundMe um, uh, initiatives or other kind of crowdsourcing, crowdfunding initiatives. So let me tell you about a couple, okay? So, for example, last summer, summer of 2018, late summer, there was a video post on social media about a man shaving on uh, as he was traveling on a commuter rail car out of New York City to suburban New Jersey. It was a video, I'm sure some of you saw it, um, the man's name, it turns out, is a man named Anthony Torres, but we didn't know that at the time. And another commuter on that rail car videotaped this man lathered with a face all lathered up with shaving cream, sitting in his seat in the commuter rail car with a razor, shaving. And as we humans are apt to do, remember, we group and label and we're tribal. Um, this person who videotaped that, who, who filmed that, put that on social media, and, and then all of the all of the social media shaming began. What a pig. Other words, horrible words about this man shaving on the rail car. Okay? And I will agree. Very unusual. But then a reporter um, investigated that, wanted to find out what was the story behind this guy, tracked him down, found out his name was Anthony Torres, and actually found out the story behind Anthony Torres, man in his mid-50s, who on that day was traveling from a shelter in New York City, homeless shelter, to go visit his brother in suburban New Jersey, a brother that he had been estranged from. Um, and, and Anthony Torres had been homeless for a number of weeks, four months, had been sh- living under bridges in the New York area, had been mugged twice, um, and was really down on his luck. And his brother had wired him some money so that he could take the rail car, the commuter rail, from New York City to suburban Jersey. And um, and what Anthony Torres wanted to do as he was traveling on that rail car was that he wanted to shave and be clean, clean-shaven for his brother. He wanted a degree of dignity. Now, of course, this is after Anthony Torres is being shamed on social media. And this, you know, this reporter posts this story about here's the real story behind this guy. And then somebody with an empathetic heart says, I'm going to help Anthony Torres. And he put out a, um, a GoFundMe goal of $35,000 to raise money to help Anthony Torres get back on his feet. As of March uh, 24th, when I checked last, so remember the goal was 35000 As of March 24th, $43,170 had been raised for Anthony Torres by from 1,661 people. People are still giving. They were giving as late as the day before I looked. And this is because we have good, empathetic hearts. And people are giving, you know, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, because we have good, empathetic hearts. Hold on. It doesn't end there. I mean, Philando feeds the children. Now, we're all familiar with Philando Castillo, police-involved shooting in the summer of 2016. Um, I am a big fan of of police officers, you'll see that in the next segment, but they make mistakes sometimes, and sometimes those are horrible mistakes. You'll remember that Philando was a cafeteria manager at a Montessori school in St. Paul. After Philando died, a group of people wanted to honor Philando, and what they decided to do was that they would raise $5,000 to retire the student lunch debt at Philando's middle, Montessori Middle School. Because Philando, among other things with his good heart, Philando had a good heart, is that he would, almost on a daily basis, pay um, for the lunch of a kid who ran out of money, who didn't have the money for lunch. And what happens in schools is that you have accounts, and um, and if you don't pay, you start. You go on credit. You're, you build up the student lunch debt. Each student can build up student lunch debt. And so the goal was let's honor Philando 
and let's raise $5,000 to pay off the collective student debt at this Montessori school. So that was the goal. They raised that money in no time. But because we have good, empathetic hearts, we continued to give money to Philando Feeds the Children, such that last spring, spring of 2018, there had been $106,000 raised that was donated then to all 56 schools to erase this student lunch debt at all 56 of the St. Paul Public Schools. Because the money just kept coming in because we have good empathetic hearts. But the money keeps coming in. And they've now raised a total of $150,000. And the goal now is to erase the student lunch debt in all schools in Minnesota. Because we have good, empathetic hearts. And then I want to tell the most recent story of a woman named Michelle Kreider. Um, a server at the Dash Inn restaurant in um, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I just did a story about South Bend. Now we're talking about Fort Wayne. Michelle Kreider, 33 years old, a server at the Dash Inn restaurant in Fort Wayne in February, was work was working one day. Two men came in. They were a little standoffish. She, she you know said, okay, but I'll still give you my good service. Now, you have to understand, Michelle identifies as lesbian. She has short hair. She has tattoos. Um, in many ways, she fits the stereotype of a, quote-unquote, butch lesbian, okay? She's also mom of a seven-year-old. She gave good service to these two men. They left in a hurry after getting their food. She goes back to pick up the bill, and she finds out on the note... Um, on the bill, there's a note, and um, and there's no tip. And on the note, there was, quote, these words, quote, I don't tip F and then um, A-G-S, unquote. Okay, that is a homophobic slur um, that many of our older listeners will remember. And so, Michelle, what she did is she posted on Facebook about this. And if you, if you can, go um, Google Michelle Kreider, C-R-I-D-E-R, Facebook, and you'll find a three-minute video that she does explaining what had happened and explaining about how it, it hurt her, um, but that she would be okay, in part because she believes in the good humanity of all people. And, in fact, she later gave an interview in which she said if the man came back, she would be willing to talk to them and understand that, that we're all trying to be human here. But somebody decided that they would get Michelle a, a good tip, that they would, they, they would do a GoFundMe page to give Michelle a tip. And the goal was $1,000 for that tip. Okay? That was February. As of March 24th, 1,136 people had contributed to Michelle's tip, and they had contributed a total of, uh, excuse me, 478 people had contributed Michelle's tip, and they had contributed a total of $8,915, way over the $1,000 goal. Way over the goal. Now, why do I tell you all of this? Why do I tell you all of this? I tell you this because right now you are wondering... What's going on with America? Right now you are wondering, where are we headed? Where have we been and where are we headed? And I am just here to tell you, listeners, and I mean this with all my heart. I am here to tell you, we will get through this because all of us, whether we are red, whether we are blue, whether we are Bernie, whether I don't care what we are, we have good, empathetic hearts. We care about each other. We do, even if it looks like we don't. And all you have to do is go to GoFundMe and look at all of the campaigns of how people are giving. It is not broken down according to color. It is simply broken down according to human. I mean this. I cannot stress it enough. We are good people. We need to believe in each other, and we need to get to the point where we stop grouping and labeling, and we stop our tribal behavior, and we just simply understand we are all trying to make our way through the world. Thank you.
I'll be back after our break to give you our last segment, my B, my C block, to tell you a little bit of a story. Thanks. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Crazy about pets? We are too. The Pet Connection Show is a great venue for fun, informative, and creative conversations about pets. Join myself, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Parole, along with guests who are leaders in the dynamic and growing pet industry, as we discuss healthcare, relationships, behaviors, and even political issues as they relate to our pets. So come, sit, stay for the Pet Connection Show, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon on AM 950 Radio, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. March's Auto Show Month at Rudy Luther. This means throughout the month, they'll have great auto show deals on all new Toyotas. My first Toyota love was the RAV4, and it's completely redesigned for 2019. And the new RAV4 Hybrid will be here soon. Remember, buy a new Toyota and get a $250 gift card. Trade in a vehicle on a new Toyota and get another $250 gift card. That means a total of $500 in savings. Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley and online at RudyLutherToyota.com. We're back on LE 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Okay, so I in the last segment, I will admit I'm doing a little evangelizing for humans. I am. I will admit that, okay? I am a cheerleader. That's, that's partly what comes with the territory of being an idealist. Sorry. I am a cheerleader. And I will go down, if you can put that in the obituary, please. That will follow Hopeless Idealist. So, in my C block here, I want to talk a little bit about my work. And um, as you know, I, I do. I go train in across North America about human inclusivity, about um, how to be good to each other. And, and by the way, I find very receptive audiences to that work. Um, so recently, I trained the employees, team members of a large city. And in the audience, there were a, a, a good group of police officers. So we had about, I'd say, 100 people in the audience. And out of that 100, I'd say a good 30 to 35 were law enforcement folks. Now, I want to make sure you understand, I have great respect for police officers. They have very difficult jobs, and their lives, unlike that for most of the rest of us, their lives are at risk every day, every time they put that uniform on. Um and 
And uh, it's not lost on me that they are protecting me. However, I know that they also make mistakes and sometimes they act recklessly. I get that, and I'm not trying to give anyone a pass, but the vast majority of law enforcement folks are good, decent people like everyone else. So um, my gray area thinking training has an audience participation component. I've spoken about it before, about this identity game where I put signs on the walls representing various identities, age, race, gender, LGBTQ status, um, age, all kinds of things. Well, recently when um, when I – and then I give people prompts and I have them stand up and then I have them go stand by uh, those signs, those identities. There are 19 different identities that they can choose from in response to the prompts. <clears throat> so um, so when I did this training on this day, um, one, of the, one of the prompts is the identity that others use to judge or discriminate against me or group and label me is – that's the prompt, okay? And then I have people, okay, go stand by what sign that you think others use to judge or discriminate against you. And when I did this exercise, um, the vast majority of police officers grouped under vocation. And one of them volunteered and said, you know, look, no one likes us. You know, we get, we get you know, people just think we're bad and, you know, we're getting grouped and labeled by society generally all the time in this way. And, and, and of course, I got that, and frankly, it hurt my heart to, to see that. It did, but I, I get it. But then I looked around the room, and there's another sign that we have in the room, which is race, okay? And usually when we do this exercise, and then we have the prompt, the identity that others use to group and label me or discriminate me, I, a lot of people of colors other than the white color um, stand under race, Okay, And when I looked on this day and looked, there were a lot of people of color other than white color standing under race. But there was one person of white color, a man, also under that sign. And, of course, everybody's wondering, why are you under the sign? Um, you know, because you're a person of white color, you have great privilege, etc. Um, well, it turns out that that one person that was under the sign along with the other people of color other than the white color um, was also a police officer, he was in plain clothes. And um, he raised his hand and he told this story um, about how, well, it was a story that ended up grabbing everybody. So he told this story about why, he was on, why he's under the sign of race. And he told this story about how he once parked his squad car in front of an apartment building in the city in which he uh, was a police officer. He said a teenage girl, this would be a teenage girl of black color, came out. And, and walked up to the squad car and said, get out of here, okay? I don't like police officers. And he said, he said, why? Why do you want me to leave? And she said, again, I don't like police officers. We don't want you here. And then he looked at the teenage girl and saw that she was wearing a Green Bay Packers sweatshirt. And this police officer said, well, I don't like Green Bay Packers. And apparently that was enough to get the teenage girl to laugh and for him to laugh along. From that interaction, as this police officer related, they both um, became friends. From there, it became a friendship where the police officer was invited over to dinner at the teenage girl's house. And from there, it became a friendship where the police officer was invited to the teenage girl's then young woman's wedding. Now, this police officer told this story in a matter-of-fact way. But as he did, by the time he got to the end, you could hear a pin drop in this huge room with a hundred people. It was a story of how when we let our hearts be soft towards others and try to have a sense of where they're coming from, of how that heart softness allows us to understand and accept people for where they're at. It's the power of hearts leaning into each other rather than leaning away.
As an idealist, I believe in the power of the human heart, and along with it, the power of compassion for others to bridge the divides between myself and others and between other people and them with other people. It was a great story. And I, you know, I have a saying that we're a society of storytellers and story listeners. And, and frankly, I will remember that police officer's story for a long time. I will actually share that story now in my future trainings. I'm, so I'm very thankful that he'd related that story. But you know what? That story plays out in law enforcement every day about police officers doing good things, about making people laugh instead of making them cry. But we don't hear those stories nearly enough. Just like we don't hear the stories about the empathy that we have for the Anthony Torreses or the, or the Michelle Criders that I related in the last segment. We don't hear about that stuff. We only hear the st- about the stuff that divides us. Will you do me this favor, please? Will you look for the good stories? And when you do, will you share them with other people? either on social media or over the, you know, over coffee at work or the water cooler or at the gym. Will you let people know that we do have good hearts? And guess what? Look at what I just heard. Will you remind them that we do care about each other? I mean, you can even remind them if you want that we're all Americans. They're all in it together, regardless of color of skin, or political party. Okay, well, that's another LE 2.0 radio show. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail. Um, please um, support our uh, sponsors. A big thanks to Brendan Electrolysis over in St. Paul. Let Bev know that I sent you. She does incredibly great work. She really does. Um, and I need to give a big thanks to Brett Johnson, my producer, who's been doing a lot of juggling as we've been doing this show. Brett, you are, again, amazing. And to you, my listeners, thanks for tuning in every Monday. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your support. And please, go forward and do well. Take care. <laughs>